The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Amplifier Advisors, LLC, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Hi, I'm Jonathan Aberman. Coming up on today's show. So the idea is a veteran entrepreneur is getting a loan from his fellow veterans. He feels an enhanced sense of duty or obligation to pay that back. And so we can actually de-risk that loan. So I can I can then charge him a lower interest rate on that loan and give the investors a higher yield because of that, that sort of mutual trust that exists between them. And so what I learned was that when you work at the FAA, your hands are tied. You really can't do a whole lot. You can't do as much as you want to and as much as the industry needs you to do. So by starting a company, it allowed me to kind of be the voice and get out there and talk to people. Uh, veteran unemployment rate is actually uh, hitting record lows. It's, it's, it was 3.9% in February. Uh, that's actually lower than the non-veteran rate. So, and that's that wasn't always the case. I mean, several years ago, 2011, we had peak unemployment uh, for veterans. The voices of veterans getting things done here in D.C. Mark Rockefeller is the founder of Street Shares. You're going to learn how he helps vets launch businesses. Chrissy Ng is an entrepreneur that's debunking many of the myths about drones and helping to commercialize this important new industry. And Brendan McGarry, the managing editor of Military.com, a periodical that reaches out regularly to the military community, will talk about the truth of how vets re-enter the workforce. This is a town where people get things done it's also a town where veterans are a large percentage of our entrepreneur community. Are they served well? We'll find out in this week's episode. Veterans, people who served, are in many ways a big opportunity in our region and perhaps an underappreciated resource. To talk with us about how veterans can be doing a better job of starting businesses and the resources available to them, particularly on the capital side, is Mark Rockefeller. He's founder of Street Shares, a business that focuses on providing funding for veteran-founded small businesses. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Well, tell us a bit about Street Shares. Uh, Street Shares is the social finance community for uh, the military and veterans community. So the idea here is uh, that we have a um, generation of veterans that are getting into entrepreneurship, uh, like myself. I'm an Iraq um, veteran myself. And that generation, by and large, entered into our entrepreneurial journey at a time when the traditional institutions weren't there for us. Uh, for example, I came back from Iraq in the summer of 08. Uh, crisis was just beginning. Uh, Lehman Brothers was about to crash and everything was about to kick off, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm representative of a generation of veterans who is doing that. At the same time, we have this extraordinary basis of trust amongst us veterans. And so the theory behind Street Shares was that if we could set up a finance community wherein um, veterans and military supporters are lending to each other, that we can actually lend in a safer way. That is, we can tap into that, that trust, that loyalty, in essence, monetize that by making loans less risky. We can now prove that this is, in fact, the case. So, so the idea is a veteran entrepreneur is getting a loan from his fellow veterans. He feels an enhanced sense of duty or obligation to pay that back. And so we can actually de-risk that loan. So I can, I can then charge him a lower interest rate on that loan and give the investors a higher yield because of that, that sort of mutual trust that exists between them. And so we're a community of now 32,000 members and growing uh, that are lending to each other and monetizing that trust. 
It's interesting to hear you describe that. It's a phenomenon we see in third world lending, say Kiva, their national organizations like eProsper. And both of those, I believe, have found that the default rates for people that take the loans is significantly lower than, say, credit card debt. And it sounds like a similar experience. What do you think it is about veterans that make them such good credit risks or such promising entrepreneurs? In a word, I would say grit. So much of entrepreneurship is just to just keep on keeping on, right? It's to persevere. It's to have that tenacity. Uh, and certainly veterans have something about them. You know, they, they, they largely self-selected into military service. They've been through some difficult situations together. Uh, they have maneuvered in, uh, you know, you know, very uncertain environments. Uh, they've persevered. And so in a word, I would say grit. Hmm. It's interesting to me that I think that a lot of people who haven't served, they tend to come in contact with veterans. A lot of them, it seems, at sporting events where, you yeah. know, the poor veteran gets stood up, you know, brought to you by blah, blah, and everybody applauds. And for a lot of people, that is their primary interaction with the veterans. And in some ways, it feels to me like it trivializes what veterans can bring to the community. Do veterans feel that way? And, and what can we do to, to build better bridges to take advantage of this resource? Yeah, I think what, one of the great things that street cheers can offer is an actual tangible way for people to get involved in the lives of veterans, right? If you want to make a decent yield and you want to support veterans entrepreneurship, you can do that on streetshares.com. You can come in and you can support these loans as an investment. So it becomes far more than just a, a polite thank you for your service. You can actually do something about it. You can help this community that you care about uh, and make pretty good yields along the way. What kind of deal size are we talking about? These are small microloans, aren't they? So the average loan size right now is $22,000. Uh, and the capital that makes those loans comes from a variety of sources. And so the investors typically put in between $25 and $200 in each loan. So I don't know how many people focus on this, but recently I looked at a study. You know, the, the top 5,000 most rapidly growing businesses in the U.S. in any year raise on average around $50,000. Right. So if you're able to generate loans of twenty dollars to $30,000 in entrepreneur businesses, that's, that's, most, that's about all the money many businesses are going to need. Yeah, the most difficult thing for any entrepreneur is that first little bit of seed capital. Um, Street Shares, for example, was started in my basement, right? So we had a couple of founders. We had a couple of interns that we paid. Uh, founders were unpaid. Uh, and it's just that journey of sort of getting getting started, right? Getting out of the basement figuratively or literally. Uh, and, and you're right. It, it, it just takes a little bit of money, frankly, to kind of get folks going. Uh, so our focus is on um, not, not so much startups, but on the um, on the ongoing businesses, right? Providing them with the working capital needs. Uh, in particular, we have a real focus now uh, on government contractors. About 25% of our members, veteran-owned businesses in the government contracting space. There's great opportunities there. There's, of course, set-asides and preferences. And so StreetShares has really become the one-stop shop for uh, government contractor financing. You could have started this business anywhere in the United States. Why did you decide to start it here? Uh, we live here. Uh, we love it here. Uh, and there's tremendous benefits, actually, that come with sort of looking at the landscape, uh, figuring out where your key stakeholders are, and setting up your business next door. Just move in next door so that you're near them. We are in a highly regulated industry, obviously. Uh, we're granting loans on one side, and street shares granting investments on the other. Both those things are highly regulated. Uh, all those regulators are here. The major veterans groups are here. The populations of veterans that are in government contracting and subcontracting are here. Uh, and so it just made sense for us to, to uh, set up shop right here um, in the D.C. area. It sounds to me that it's also a very satisfying business to personally do. Share a, 
share a happy moment, uh, an example of a business that you saw get funded that you just felt, wow, that's, I'm really happy I was able to help make that happen. It is so great to wake up in the morning and love with what you do. Uh, we've attracted a, a an extraordinary team because we can offer people the opportunity to both do good and do well, right? Mm -hmm. So we all feel that way. Uh, a couple of great examples. We've had two street shares funded companies appear on Shark Tank. Uh, one, one success story um, is a company called Combat Flip Flops uh, based outside of Washington State. And uh, they manufacture flip flops for Americans, but they do it in um, Afghanistan. Uh, was started by a couple of army rangers. There was a, a manufacturing facility there and the conflict basically displaced the, the workers. So they went back after they left the army and they repurposed this factory to make flip flops for Americans. And uh, no bank would lend to them for the obvious reasons with the insurance issues around uh, manufacturing in Afghanistan. And uh, so they got their very first loan from us, a uh, $30,000 loan, I think. And they got their big break. And they, and they got the kind of exposure that they needed. Sales went through the roof. The CEO called me up the next week and said, Mark, thank you for what Street Shares has done. We could not have done this without you. Fast forward about eight months, they're on Shark Tank getting a deal from Mark Cuban. And I suppose if you're a veteran and you've served, being raked over the coals by Mark Cuban isn't frightening at all. It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do you find that entrepreneurs who are veterans also have the advantage of once you've sort of faced down the existential threat to your very, you know, to your life, entrepreneurship just doesn't seem as challenging? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, entrepreneurship is scary. Uh, but, you know, what's scary is probably relative to what you've experienced before. Uh, and if you're someone who has been in some... Uh, in some dangerous situations, I imagine it's a lot less intimidating. Yeah. That's one of the things I sense as well when I work with uh, veteran entrepreneurs, that there's an element of calmness that really serves them well. Mark, this is a great story, and I'm sure many people are interested in being more involved. If they want a loan to vets, how do they go about doing that? Yes, I, I would encourage everyone to visit streetshares.com. Uh, again, we've got about 32,000 members growing very, very quickly. Um, you can join us as a member, and then you can you can decide to borrow, you can decide to invest or lend. Uh, there's membership deals, there's benefits from companies like Combat Flip Flops, discounts on things from them, for example. Uh, and it's, it's just a great community. It's the hub of veteran entrepreneurship right now in America, uh, happening at streetshares.com. So we would encourage everyone to visit. And happening here in the nation's capital, another example of an entrepreneur making things happen and getting it done. Mark Rothfeller, founder of Streetshares, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been observed that drones and autonomy is a significant trend in technology. What may not be as well understood is why and how it's a large opportunity in the greater Washington region. To talk about this with us is Chrissy Ng. She's co-founder of UA Solutions Group and a passionate supporter of growing the drone industry here in the Washington, D.C. region. Chrissy, thanks for taking some time with us. So. Is this a great region or is this a growing region for entrepreneurship around drones? It is. First, thank you for having me on the show. But yeah, the, the Washington area and what we want to talk about is not just inside the beltway of the Washington area, but as uh, a lot of people don't understand necessarily outside of our listenership, is that the beltway in Washington, D.C. goes all the way up from Baltimore down to Richmond, out to Frederick, Maryland area, kind of West Virginia, and kind of to the east side out to Pax River. And so what we want to make people understand is that the regulations sort of happen within the beltway, but the technology and the innovation happens, a lot of that happens outside of that beltway. And that's what's really important with unmanned aircraft. We see a lot of startups happening outside of, you know, the, the 495 loop. 
And this is an industry that very much is affected and, and driven by regulation. What's your sense of of the regulators and the entrepreneur community here? Are they doing a good job of talking with each other? Are the entrepreneurs driving the conversation in any way as the regulators think about how to address drones? Well, we're fortunate that we do have our um, our politicians right here so that we can just, you know, at any time they have open door policies, we can schedule meetings to go up there and talk to them about our concerns. We can talk to our representatives. We can talk to our senators about our concerns as they drive uh, as they drive the regulations, particularly things like the Safety and Securities Act, uh, the FAA Modernization and Reform Act, they're they're talking to each other um, as well online. And we're really fortunate that we have amazing social media content and social media platforms that allow all of us from inside the Beltway and outside the Beltway to talk with people who are maybe not as fortunate in places such you know rural Wyoming, Kansas, you know South Dakota. I mean, we can name every other state out there that don't necessarily have the same kind of access that we do. But when it comes to regulations and policy, there is kind of this disconnect sometimes between people that I call them garage bands, the people that are literally in their garages and in their basements tinkering with this technology. We have the makers fairs and we see these people tinkering with this technology and they are not talking to the regulators probably as much as they should. People that are actually talking to the regulators, it seems like it's more of the the policy people, the lawyers involved with the companies are the ones that are up there talking to our politicians. And it needs to be the tinkers. It really does. It also seems to me that autonomy and drones is an industry where it's really tightly intertwined with the military. And I was this struck me a few weeks ago at the Super Bowl, you know, watching the laser light show over Lady Gaga in the sky with all the drones. I mean, that, that swarm of technology that I'm sure was promoted in, in some ways by work that DARPA and others have done. And so do you see the Washington, D.C. region as having a particularly strong possibility of being a hotbed for drones because of this overlap? Or could it in some ways hold it back? Well, with incubators, uh, we do talk about DARPA because there's so much money there. But uh I don't I wouldn't say that it holds it back and I wouldn't say that it propels it forward either way because the military has noticed the importance unfortunately as well as of Silicon Valley. And so you can see that the military has moved some organizations out there to try to tap into that market. But what's really nice about that is that technology will come come home. It'll come back here to the Pentagon. It'll come back here to uh, inside of the Beltway for us to use that technology here in the United States. And it looks like the military is trying to finally reach out to Silicon Valley and to reach out to these other places in the United States that are known to drive technology, and they're trying to bring that home. Now, you've served, I think you're still in uh, in the reserves. You're a Blackhawk pilot. You've clearly been in situations that are challenged under fire. And what drives you how do your experience shape you and, and, and make you effective now that you're out trying to change this industry? Well, I think what was important was as a helicopter pilot, you're in that 400 feet and below, 500 feet and below airspace, which is really what is where the majority of this unmanned aircraft technology is going to reside. So we are really familiar with that airspace. We're also um, probably one of the most affected by it in case there is some sort of catastrophic event when it comes to an unmanned aircraft um, possibly running into a, a helicopter. I'm not saying it's going to be any less of an event if it runs into a commercial aircraft as well, but we're the ones that are really in that airspace and are really integrating with unmanned aircraft. We know that we've been fortunate there haven't been any accidents 
so far. But what really drives me in this technology and what drove me to become an entrepreneur is to basically, you know, we always say to bridge that gap between industry. And before I started my company, I worked at the FAA in the unmanned aircraft office. And what I realized was there wasn't anybody from that office that was out in industry promoting unmanned aircraft. There was a lot of this mis, uh, misinformation out on the street. I found myself at night on social media trying to correct a lot of, you know, you know, saying, hey, this is really the people that you need to talk to at the FAA and this is really what's going on. And so what I learned was that when you work at the FAA, your hands are tied. You really can't do a whole lot. You can't do as much as you want to and as much as the industry needs you to do. So by starting a company, it allowed me to kind of be the voice and get out there and talk to people and volunteer my time at Maker's Fairs <laughs> to get out there and really make sure that people understood what was happening with the regulations and to know who to talk to at the FAA versus just randomly dialing some numbers. So if you were going to uh, make a prediction, how soon do you think it will be before we have drones delivering packages and pizzas and so forth to us uh, on a regular basis? Oh, that, I mean, you know, that's the magic eight ball question, right? So we kind of keep kicking the can down the road. We see other countries that are already authorizing this and we see, see it sort of happening in the United States in a very, in very controlled environments. But as far as um, just walking out on, you know, walking into out to your, on your front porch and having Amazon deliver, you know, your, I don't know, your two pound, whatever object it is that you bought from Amazon, uh, that's that's still a ways away because we have to work with uh, NASA is working really hard with what's known as the unmanned aircraft traffic management system. And we have to figure out how are we going to integrate thousands of drones into this airspace and that 400 foot and below airspace? How are we going to do that and how are we going to do it safe and safe and efficiently? I would I wish I had a date. I don't think anybody has a date. Well, I guess we'll find out together, and it sounds to me like those questions are going to be answered here in Greater Washington. Another great example of how getting it done in D.C. interacts government and entrepreneurship. Chrissy Ng, thanks for taking the time to get us up to speed on the submergent industry of drones. Thank you, Jonathan. Entrepreneurship and veterans topic that we're very much interested in here what's working in Washington to add his viewpoints on this issue is Brennan McGarry, managing editor of Military.com. Military.com is making a big push to become a destination for veteran hiring and is very much involved in this issue. Brennan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, this is something that uh, I know you're in the middle of and you've written a fair bit about it. Uh, one story that struck my attention was this idea of helping troops get certified on skills before they come out. What What's that uh, about? That's actually a huge area of interest right now um, in Washington and beyond. I mean, uh, the idea that troops are um, being trained already in service, right? So the, the military is spending a lot of money uh, to get troops spun up on in any number of fields, uh, whether it's it's uh, truck driving uh, or information technology, uh, healthcare, right, medics. Uh, so they, they already are doing this as part of the military training process, right? You go to basic training, go to advanced uh, training, and then you are gonna be put into these various specialty areas depending on your job uh, classification. Well, there's this big sort of discussion right now going on with both the veteran service organizations, military service organizations, lawmakers on the Hill about how can we, or can we even, can we introduce or drop into this training uh, civilian certification certificates or programs as part of the military training so that when they do cycle out, when troops do cycle out of uniform, 
they actually have this credential that they can take to would-be employers uh, that's that's sort of recognized across the country, not just state by state or locality by locality, um, and that they could use it to actually gain employment. So it's it's a literally the uh, the, the Legion just had a had an event on this last last month, and there's a lot of interest in sort of how do we go about doing this. It would seem to me that in an area of cybersecurity, for example, certification is something that happens in private sector all the time. This this would seem a lot make a lot of sense to me. Do you get the sense as you watch these conversations happen? Uh, that there is an understanding and appreciation for why veterans, in fact, are great potential employees or great entrepreneurs? Well, I think that there's been increasing recognition that that these this demographic is um, a very attractive uh, demographic to employers, right? I mean, that um, the, they have uh, sort of any number of experiences that parlay well into the private sector. And, and what we've seen over the past several years is, is that they have been employed, right? I mean, Department of uh, Labor Statistics just released unemployment rates uh, for February. What we see is that the uh, veteran unemployment rate is actually uh, hitting record lows. It's, it's, it was 3.9% in February. Uh, that's actually lower than the non-veteran rate. So, and that's that wasn't always the case. I mean, several years ago, 2011, we had peak unemployment uh, for veterans. I mean, it was upwards of, of 11, 12%. So just in the span of several years, we've seen that number tick downward by a substantial amount. And um, that's, that's a couple of reasons for that. One, I think, is a greater recognition of employers. Um, and, and there were also tax credits uh, that Congress passed. Um, and and uh, there's also a lot of awareness that was that was brought to this issue by VSOs, by veteran service organizations. But I, going back to your question, I do think that there's this, uh, that it's happening, that I think that employers do see the, the value of, of having vets enter these positions and that they, they do. There's, there's plenty they bring to the table, whether it's combat experience or uh, specialty areas. What is it about serving, you think, that sets people who have served the military up to be really good employees? Well, that's a good question. I think there's really any number of reasons, but but I think one of the more obvious ones is leadership, right? I mean, especially I would say specialty training and or leadership. I mean, any whether you're on the officer side or the enlisted side, you know, after just a short time in uniform, you 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 know, you are you do advance typically. And you are in charge of, of any number of folks and or responsibilities. And then sort of that that obviously is accentuated if, if you're a, a combat vet. I mean, if you're if you're deployed, you have any number of even more responsibilities. So I think there's um, and not to sound uh, too flip about this, but there's sort of a PR win here, too. Right. For employers or I mean, the idea that you're you're employing, you're hiring folks who have uh, been in uniform, who have sacrificed in, on any number of fronts. Uh, I, I think that, that, that in, in addition to sort of tax breaks, uh, I think that there's, there's any number of reasons why employees, uh, employers would want to, would hire veterans. Because we now have a voluntary service and because you can go through life and live without having anybody in your family serve, it seems often that the military is disconnected from the citizenry. You know, uh, John McChrystal has pointed out, for example, written about this, that, you know, we need to have more service. Uh, everybody should serve the country in some way. Do you feel a trend that that is changing, that there is? A, I, I know people applaud at sporting events, but I'm talking about that, you know, and you talk about the PR. But do you think that Americans really get veterans more now than they did five or 10 or 20 years ago? Well, when you say really get, that's that's a good question. Um, the, the voluntary component of military service is something that is sort of creating this this gulf, uh, and it will continue. To, it will perpetuate that gulf. The, the reality is, less than one percent of the population does serve. 
right? And that's going to continue. That that number will continue to sort of shrink as the population grows and as the military population roughly stays flat, right? I mean, we may talk about the Trump administration coming in and spending $50 billion more on defense or something. Will that mean an uptick in actual personnel? Sure. But, but relatively, we're not talking about a huge surge in the number of people in uniform, right? We're talking 1.3 million or so on active duty, uh, another several hundred thousand in the reserve components. So, I mean, we're talking about a force, a military force in this country of about 2 million people. And that's been relatively flat. I mean, again, we've seen some buildup, right, with the, the 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 wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We saw a little bit of a drawdown. We might see a, a slight uptick here with the Trump administration. But the reality is that 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 per capita, that number is relatively flat, and the, and the population is growing. So you will continue to see, I think, this gulf between uh, the civilian side and the and the military. And what does it really mean to serve, right? What is the culture like? Uh, what do these folks bring to the table? Um, so I, 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 uh, I don't know if I, I don't want to necessarily get into the patriotism element or, or the, or the sort of the standing and applauding at, at baseball games and the, you know, the bumper sticker crowd support your troops. I mean, I, I do think there is this sort of lip service that's paid writ large in the country without truly understanding what's involved in military service. But to kind of steer it back to employers, I, I do think that because of these efforts over the past several years, when veteran unemployment was at its peak in 2011, that there was this greater awareness made by VSOs. There were tax credits passed by Congress. So there, I think those kinds of efforts are, are what really have been effective and what will continue to be effective in letting employers know that this is a target demographic, a hireable demographic. And if I'm an employer or a veteran uh, and I want to know more, what kind of resources does military.com have available to help? So... Military.com is a news and information site. Um, I'm on the news side. Uh, I am the managing editor, so I oversee a team of reporters here in D.C. that are kind of running around the Hill and, and, and the Pentagon covering any number of these issues and others. Um, there is another uh, area of our site that basically focuses on this, this, uh, this repository of information. And so there are some resources there, not to plug the site too much here, but I, th there are some, some resources that we, we definitely want to try and target this transitioning population, right? So there's a transition app uh, that you can use that transitioning service members can use to, to better identify uh, where their talents are, where their would-be employers would be. There's job fair indexing now and other resources. So uh, military.com, I think like other uh, organizations are are interested in trying to sort of marry uh, this the, the transitioning troops with employers. I think that, that many, many organizations and companies see that actually as an opportunity, business opportunity. A resource for employers and veterans, and also a reminder that here in the D.C. region, we have people that are getting things done on important issues. Brandon McGarry, managing editor of Military.com, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up another edition of What's Working in Washington a weekly program and podcast that brings you closer to the cross-section of entrepreneurship, innovation, and business here in the greater Washington region. We hope you're following us on Twitter. Our handle is What's Working DC. If you have any story ideas or if you'd like to come on the show, please do pitch us through Twitter. Tracy Madigan, our producer, and I, Jonathan Aberman, are here to be a resource for the region entrepreneurship innovation. So we'll see you next week.
You've been listening to What's Working in Washington, the power to get things done. Download this show or any of our weekly programs at federalnewsradio.com. What's Working in Washington, Monday afternoons at 2.30 on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m.